Welcome into another episode of the World, the Way, and the Word Christian Apologetics Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Williams, and today we are going to be talking about the deity of Jesus. The reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I hear a lot of times, let me adjust my camera, there we go, a lot of people like to say things like Jesus never claimed to be God and Jesus was only a good teacher and that Jesus was just a prophet and this, that, and the other. And so we're going to look at 17 passages from scripture. I know that's a lot, but I went through just the gospels and just claims from Jesus himself that claimed that he at least believed himself to be God in the flesh to be the son of God, and we will look at certain things. This is a precursor right now, um, or a disclaimer. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, that's fine. I'm really not trying to convince you. I'm just giving the evidence of why I think that the claim is true and why I think the claim is accurate and why scripture actually shows Jesus saying these things. Um, you won't be able to see my screen because I'm not a technical wizard. I don't know how to do that yet. So I will be reading from BibleGateway.com. I will be using the ESV, the English Standard Version. If you are a King James only person, feel free to look up these passages in the King James. If you're an NIV or an NASB, which I actually like the NASB too, then feel free or New King James Version. Whatever version you want to use, that is not a heretical translation. And that's another podcast for another time. So we're going to start by pull up my screen real quick. And I will go ahead and give you the passages if you want to go there. So we'll be looking at Matthew eleven twenty seven, Matthew twenty five thirty one to thirty four, Matthew twenty six twenty seven through twenty nine, Matthew twenty six fifty three through fifty four, and then sixty three and sixty four, and then Matthew twenty eight eighteen and twenty. We're only going to look at two passages in Mark. We'll look at Mark two five through eleven and Mark fourteen sixty two. We will then jump to the book of Luke. We'll have three passages from Luke. We'll look at Luke 5, 20 through 24, Luke 6, 3 through 5, Luke 7, 48. We could do a whole video just on the gospel of John, but I'll explain why we're only going to limit it to a couple. So John 5, 27, and then 30 through 32, 37 through 40. We may combine all that and just read 27 through 40. John 18, I'm sorry, John 8, 14 through 19, 21 through 24, and then 56 through 58. We may read a little more, John 14, 6, and then John 17, 5. And so these are going to be places where Jesus makes divinity claims, and then we'll go through these. So let me pull up my audacity app and make sure that we're still recording and yes we are so the levels may be a little low because i'm going to have to switch to reading the passages and not looking at my levels so hopefully i'm speaking well enough and clear enough but i think it should be okay so let's jump in to matthew 11 and we said that was going to be matthew 11 20 27 yes so just to, just so you can say I'm not going to bring this out of context, I'll just read, I'll start in 25. 
At this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then we get the, in 28, we get the, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that was a little more than we anticipated on reading. So what is Jesus saying in that? So he specifically says, hold on, I opened up the wrong link. Um, so 27 says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. That's a pretty big claim. So if Jesus was just another rabbi, he was just another teacher, he's claiming that Jesus handed him all things. And that no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. So he's, he's basically, he's, giving the fact that he has an intimate relationship with the father that nobody else has. So you can say, hey, that's not a great, strong claim. Okay, that's all right. We'll keep going. So let's go look and see. Now we're going to jump all the way to Matthew 25, 31. So give me a second while I get to Matthew 25, 31. Um, be really nice. Okay, 25. All right, give me a minute so I can scroll down. All right, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the, this is Matthew 25, 31 through 34. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, Son of Man, which is a divinity claim from the book of Daniel. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared, from, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. We're going to keep going, 36. When I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? All right, so when the Son of Man comes in his glory, so he's talking about himself. So he's talking about when Christ comes on his second coming, right? And the angels with him. So he's claiming he's going to come down from heaven with angels and sit on his glorious throne and then all the nations are going to be gathered before him and he's going to separate them. The right is the seat of power in that culture. So on his right will be the people that will reign with him. People that are Christians or followers of Yeshua, followers of Jesus. And those on the left are those who do not put their trust in him. So... If you were walking down the street and there was a guy here in D, I live in D Queen, Arkansas, and this guy was saying that he's going to sit on his glorious throne and he's going to judge the entire world. So when it says gathered all the nations, it's all the nations of the world of all like he is going to be the judge. I think that is a pretty, pretty strong case for the divinity of Jesus. Once we keep going and, and mind you, so the Jesus seminar was a group of scholars. Bart Ehrman was included in them. A bunch of liberal scholars. And by liberal, I don't mean like politically liberal. I mean, they're very liberal with the scriptures. They wanted 
that they decided they were going to come up with a bunch of stuff that they thought that Jesus might have said, Jesus definitely said, and stuff that Jesus definitely didn't say. Um, and they pretty much wanted to take out the whole book of John. This is why I'm hyper-focused that I have one, two, three, one, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six passages from Matthew, two from Mark, and I think three from Luke. So that's 11 passages outside the book of John. And this is just what I found so far. And in fact, Matthew records Jesus using the son of man title a lot. I, I had the numbers, but I don't have them saved right now. So let's go to Matthew 26. Hold on, Matthew 26. 27 through 29 let me get there real quick because we are there all right so matthew 26 all right so matthew 20 is this what i want to look at matthew 26 yeah 27 through 29 we'll start in 26 now now as they were eating jesus took bread and blessing it it broke it i'm, I'm sorry now as they were eating jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body so 27 and he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins i tell you i will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom so he's saying that the wine represented the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many in the forgiveness of sins. So he's referring back to the Old Testament covenant where the sacrificial system, where the blood of an innocent animal had to be spilled for the forgiveness of sins. And we're going to look at other passages where Jesus claims authority on earth to forgive sins. The, okay, so... You have to understand that if you look at it just as the Romans wanted to kill Jesus because of sedition, that's fine. But you have to be honest and be like, well, why did the Jews want him killed? Why did they try to stone him in Nazareth? Why did they seize him and then take him before the Sanhedrin? Because they said he was blaspheming. So if he was blaspheming, and Jewish historians aren't going to lie about this, even if they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, right so if he's not claiming to be god then why would they kill him like and we're gonna get to that passage and i think it may be coming up next so i think we're staying in 26 so we're gonna go to 53 through 54 so let me scroll down real quick um oh yeah this is a good one we might read this whole passage um all right so this is the betrayal and the arrest of jesus so we're just going to start in verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas came one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss is the man sees him. And he came up to Jesus and one and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who was with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant, which we know from another gospel as Peter of the high priest had cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your sword back in into its place for all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not think I can appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Pause. So this isn't just Jesus being a prophet and saying, I'm gonna pray to God and hope that I'll have faith that, no, he says, 
Let's say it again. Do you not think that I can appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Like, who else has power on that? Like, when Elijah was with the prophets of Baal and he called down fire from heaven, there was no guarantee God was going to send that fire. Now, God did, and Elijah had great faith. But Jesus said at once he's going to send those legions of angels. Okay, so I think the next passage is when we get to Caiaphas. So let's go to 63 through 64. But let's give a little context, so we'll start in 57. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. Now, they're holding an illegal trial because they're holding it at night, and they're trying to trump up charges against Jesus. And Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, Pause. See, this is where people are always like, Jesus just sat there and didn't say anything. No, what Jesus wasn't going to do is answer to these false accusations because we know in context when jesus was talking about destroying that he'd been destroying the temple and he said you can destroy this temple and raise it in three days he was talking about himself now in another passage he talks about the destruction of the temple which happened in 70 AD. so he prophesied that okay let's go back to 63 but jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him i adjure you by the living god tell us if you are the christ the son of god this is the important verse jesus said to him you have said so but i tell you from now on you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven now you do know what he was saying um, doo -doo 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 -doo. I wish they would I really wish they would have footnotes so I could go and quote the Daniel passage so verse 65 then the high priest tore his robes and said he has uttered blasphemy what further witnesses do we need you have now heard his blasphemy what is your judgment they answered he deserves death and they spit in his face and struck him and some slapped him saying prophesy to us you Christ who is that? Who is it that struck you? So when Jesus talks about, because they're basically saying, make an oath before the living God. He says, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Now, they didn't believe him, so, and had they been right, and Jesus wasn't who he said he was, they had every right under Jewish law, under the Old Testament law, to execute him. So, that's another place where Jesus claims divinity. Let's go to Matthew 28. And this video actually may not be going as long as I thought. So, we're going to go to Matthew 28, and 18 through 20. And this is the Great Commission, so we'll start in 16. 
And now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, because Judas had killed himself and Matthias was not yet instituted, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the part of the scripture we're going to come back to. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, um, the Trinity, when people say there's no Trinity. Teaching them to reserve all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So number one, this implies that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And Jesus also says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, is God giving that to some random guy? But he says, baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's a part of the triune Godhead, the Trinity. He's claiming to be God. And he proved it by his death and his resurrection. So, it's not that... I'm trying to convince you that Jesus is God, though I think you should believe that. And I think to be saved, you have to believe that. But a lot of these people who come and say, oh, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. That's just silly. I mean, because what people are looking for is for a spot in the Bible where it's like Jesus just walks up to the crowd and says, hi, I'm God. He does something very close to that. Once we get to John, we'll find it. And we were totally about to skip the verses in Mark, but we'll do Mark. I think we're going to Mark 2. Let's see. Yeah, Mark 2, 5 to 11. Um, this is when Jesus heals a paralytic. And this is in several of the Gospels. Um, so... We'll just start in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. That's some awesome work of faith. And I'm going to take a drink for my Spotify Apple listeners. I apologize. Um, YouTube, you'll see me take a drink. All right. So they let him down through the roof. And Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes, the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Sanhedrin, were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive but God alone? Good point. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up the bed and went out before them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. So he claims, like he looks at the paralytic, and he's like, Hey, your, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the scribes, or whoever's there, whichever sect of the Jewish leadership was there, is like, and then even say it out loud in, in, in this passage. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm just saying that this is only talking... 
that they, they could have done both. But it, it seems to imply that Jesus just felt in their spirit that he saw their hearts. So we'll just go with the account that they didn't say it out loud. And they're like, wait a minute. Like, did he just say he could forgive sins? And Jesus is like, yeah. But to, to prove that I have the authority to forgive sins, I'm going to tell him his sins are forgiven, and then I'm going to tell him to get up and walk. And it, and this isn't like some of these super crazy word of faith churches where they just touch people and all these people are getting healed. And it's like, all right, like, it would be like if someone that you have seen in a wheelchair your whole life has been rolling around in this wheelchair and everybody in town knows this person's in a wheelchair. I grew up with, with a girl in a wheelchair. And if Jesus walked up to her and was like, get up and walk, and she got out that wheelchair and just didn't need the wheelchair anymore. So some people even like to claim it's like, man, how do we listen the the I think that a lot of this stuff is no matter what the evidence is, they're not going to believe. And I hope I'm wrong. And I'm not saying like individual people like, hey, they won't believe that person won't believe. But I think people get to a certain point to where they in their hearts, it's settled for them. Like Jesus even said this in one passage of scripture. And I wish I had it where he says that even if I rise somebody from the dead, they won't believe like he rose Lazarus from the dead. And then they were like, hey, we got to find a way to kill this dude. Like, I don't know. Someone's rising people from the dead and healing the blind and making the mute talk and making the deaf hear and um i don't and and casting out demons i don't know why that's such a bad thing but they were scared of the romans that's what we know from history and from that so we're gonna go to mark 14 i think it's 62 if i read that right so mark 16 oh hold on Oh, Mark 14. I don't think... Yeah, let's go to Mark 14. So, give me a second to scroll down. I hope this has been beneficial to you guys. There we go. And this this is just Mark's retelling of... Um, of him before the Sanhedrin. After he's been arrested. Mark 61... But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? So it's said in a different way here. And Jesus said, I am, which is an I am statement. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garment and said, Whether for, what, uh, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard us blasphemy. What is your decision? And they concerned him to death. And so this actually contorts very or not contorts but this this um looking for the right word this meshes very well with what we saw in matthew so we'll we'll go to luke um luke 5 20 through 24 so i know that this has been a little different because i'm having to pull up scripture luke 5 um all right Oh my gosh, let me go back. So, oh, this is this is this is a retelling of what we talked about before in Matthew. Um, they they brought him in through the roof, Luke five twenty one, and described the or and I'm sorry, Luke five twenty. And when he saw their faith, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began the question, saying, "Who do you question, or who is this that 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so now we have a second story saying that they didn't directly say this to Jesus, but Jesus perceived their thoughts. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So, both stories, tells him to rise, pick up his mat, and go home. So, he's claiming to be able to forgive sins, which is only a... um which is only attributed to God. So we'll go to Luke 6, 3 through 5. I really wish there was just like a, um, like, like a, an over button because I'm having to basically click in each chapter. So, I made the text smaller. Oh, this is, um, so Luke 6 chapter 1 uh, chapter Luke 6 verse 1 On a Sabbath when he was going through the grain fields the disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain rubbing them in their hands but some of the Pharisees said why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath which seems to be a really dogmatic and strict interpretation of the Sabbath laws like that, that just always seemed crazy to me and Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of the Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In the Old Testament, who is the God of the Sabbath? Who is the God of the people? It's, it's Yahweh, it's God the Father. And Jesus just claimed that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So we're seeing lots of divinity claims here. We're going to actually skip... Actually, no, let's go see what Luke 7.48 says. So, oh, there's that button. Cool. Luke 7, I think it's 48. So let me go down. Let me go down. Okay, so a certain money lender had two debt. Oh, so, um, oh, this is where the lady comes in and she's... He's, he's in the house of the Pharisee, and I think it's Simon the Pharisee, if I'm not mistaken. And, like, he's teaching them, and they're, they're they're kicking it at the house, and she put all the ointment on the feet, and she's saying that, why is this woman touching him? She's a sinner. Um, so let's go. He says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So here is another instance of Jesus being able, claiming that he has authority to forgive sins, which... The Jewish people were like, only God has that. So if only God can forgive sins and Jesus can forgive sins and Jesus is claiming to be God, I think that's what he's saying. I think the text is very, very clear. Um, so this pod has already been 27 minutes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to save the John passages for a podcast by themselves because there's like... 
there's as many passages in John as in the other Gospels combined that we have covered, right? And so what I want to do is we'll call this the deity of Jesus part one, because this pod's going to be a little over 30 minutes and I don't want to keep it too long and I got to go to bed soon. So here's the thing. So far, we can debunk the Jewish, the, the Jesus seminar and people like that who say that only the book of John, because a lot of people want to make two different claims. They want to claim, sorry, I got the hiccups. They want to claim that John was the only one really saying, that had the sayings of Jesus claiming his divinity. Now, to be fair, John, there's a lot of dialogue in John that isn't in the other Gospels. I don't think that's a problem. I think John was, obviously, from what we know, is one of the inner circle disciples. So him, Peter, and his brother, James. I think that's clear. I think that John focused most of what his gospel was on Jesus's conversations with Jewish teachers of the law. So you have the Nicodemus story in there where Nicodemus comes. That's where we get John 3.16 from. So Jesus seminar, are we throwing out John 3.16? Is that what we're doing? Um, Are we throwing out all the conversations with the Pharisees? Are we throwing out, I am the vine, you are the branches? Are we throwing out John 14, 6, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Hey, by the way, spoiler alert, that verse is going to be in the next pod. So I just think, because I think that it's very, very convenient to be wishy-washy on Jesus. And I would encourage you to just go to Google and type in C.S. Lewis, Jesus, lunatic, liar, or Messiah, or Savior, or Son of God. Any of that, you sh- it should pull it up. And it's like, if anyone else walked around making the claims that Jesus made in the first century in Judea, in Israel, claiming to be the only way to God, claiming to be able to forgive sins, and John will see, he claimed to be before Abraham, he said that all authority has been granted to him on earth. It We looked at him saying that You will see the Son of Man, referring to himself, seated at the right hand of power, coming on the clouds of heaven. He also claimed that he's going to come back in his glory, and he is going to separate. He's going to, all the nations are going to come before him, and he's going to put some on the right and put some on the left. Um, So unless there's God, and then Jesus is like just the most awesome prophet, disciple, whatever, um... I don't think that we can. I don't think we can look at those scriptures that we looked at tonight and say that Jesus didn't claim to be God. Now, whether he is or he isn't, that's where the evidence has to take us. And you could say, okay, well, I get you, but the evidence of what he said, because I'm just I'm taking only quotes from Jesus. I'm not using John one in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Like John wrote that, and I think it's true. And John wrote it about Jesus, but that's coming from John. So this whole notion that they didn't believe in the deity of Jesus until the Council of Nicaea, first off, you got to stop getting your information from fiction books and fiction movies. You've got to stop listening to people just spout nonsense from the Da Vinci Code and be like, oh, like that wasn't even what the Council of Nicaea was about. We're going to also do a pod on that, but I'm going to really dive deep and get several sourced, peer-reviewed 
um, expert opinions on the entirety of the Council of Nicaea before I do a video on it. But I can tell you is Constantine did call the council and he called the bishops from all the, the leaders around in the, in the known Christian world because there was a dispute between uh, Arius and Alexandria of Ale Alexander of Alexandria and the guy named Athanasius, right? And the big thing about the Council of Nicaea is Arius was starting to teach some non-Trinitarian things and they had to get it figured out. And very quickly, they were like, yes, what the church fathers has always believed that Jesus is God. It was, it was very quickly confirmed. So it was just a dispute on how the Trinity works. No one at the council was saying Jesus wasn't God. And when it comes to the books of the Bible, the church had already been accepting unofficially. And so there were some books that actually made it into the canon and so that like when they actually like just put the actual bible together like to like the 66 books we have now right so like the collection when it became official they had questions about hebrews because of the authorship they had issues with i think jude because it quotes outside of the scripture it quotes the book of enoch they had an issue with a couple of other good books don't, don't don't let me quote them all but you can look up mike winger is a very good source on that um and just type in um i think wesley huff is really good about that and so but then like people are like what about the gospel of thomas and the gospel of mary and like all these that no scholar really believes they were first off so they had a criteria that it had the new testament books had to be written by either an eyewitness or someone who knew an eyewitness and got their information from eyewitnesses. Correct? Correct. Okay. Like in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul says this, I give to you as most important. In fact, I want to read that verse. I'm going to go find that because that is where I think I want to end the day because I always try to quote that verse. And, uh, oh, 1 Corinthians. Let's go 1 Corinthians 15. If I'm speaking too much into the mic. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, what he is about to quote is the earliest Christian creed that we know of. Now, 1 Corinthians was written in the 50s AD, most scholars believe. And this creed was already around so most scholars actually date this creed to within i'll go 10 years of the resurrection of christ and it might have even been earlier because the resurrection was probably in 33 30 or 33 whatever year you want to go with um and so this creed had already been around for i deliver to you as of first importance what i also received and this is the creed that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though I was not, though it was not I, but the grace of God 
that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So this creed had been around. So maybe that didn't quite fit into the deity of Christ, but the fact that the like Paul did not invent Christianity. The early church at Pentecost was already like, hey, you Jews, um, fellow Jews, yeah, you Pharisees, you killed Jesus, but he rose. Which would have been very, very, very easy to disprove. They could just walk into the tomb and be like, here's the body. Here's here's your risen Jesus. Nope. They're like, oh, well, the disciples stole the body. All right. So what you're telling me is that, well, first off, there wasn't 12 of them because one of them was possibly had already killed himself, Judas. All right. So 11 fishermen went to the gate. Now, mind you, Jesus had been going around saying that he was going to rise from the dead. Now, I don't know how many people he was saying that to. Sorry, I had a notification on my phone. But they had Roman guards outside the tomb. Also, where was he buried? We don't know. Actually, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, In the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. All right, so who was Joseph of Arimathea? He, I know, I know I probably pronounced it wrong. Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin. So he was a wealthy man. So they knew who he was. They probably knew where the tomb was, and they would have known. Um, they put a really big stone, like huge stone. So they would have had to overtake the Roman guards, rolled away the body, stole the body, and then... But here's the thing that they've never answered. Like... What did they do with the body? Like, 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 they just disappeared a whole body and no one ever found it? Okay, because you got to think, like, Jesus' claims to deity were blasphemy to the Jews and sedition to the Romans. That's why they killed him. And they went through all this trouble to kill this dude if he was just a dude, which I think he was God in the flesh. And I actually, I believe that with everything. Like, you don't think it would be incumbent on them to be like, let's go try to find this body. And I'll be like, nah, no big deal. It'll it'll go away. And then like 5,000 people get saved on Pentecost. Like, the Jews were steady arresting these dudes. The Romans were persecuting these dudes until like Diocletian, right before Constantine. They were, they were marking these Christians, bro. Like, if you want to get like, like urban lingo with it, like, let, let's get it. So, no, I don't think those arguments. Um, The theory that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, bro, they gave him 39 lashes. People could literally, like, you just think it's like a whip. Like, there was, like, glass and bone and, like, all kind of stuff in it. Like, in, like it would rip. It would, like, it was designed to, like, hit your back and, and stick in, and then you'd rip it out, right? Like, so I just think that if you're... If you're going to come against the evidence for the death of Jesus, at least, like, number one, if you come to me and you're like, hey, I don't think Jesus existed, my first thing is going to be like, hey, before we actually have a conversation, I'm going to need you to go check out the evidence. And if you still believe that, then I don't think you really looked at the evidence because no reputable scholar believes that they just made Jesus up. Like, like I don't believe they just made Alexander the Great up. I don't think they... like. But a lot of the new generation is just like, if they can't see it and there's not a photo of it or like some girl was at an open air preacher and was like, if I could see Jesus' medical records, like, come on, like, 
Like, okay, cool. Like, then what do you believe? Like, and we're just talking about, like, the historical Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, actually existing, right? The claims of deity, I'm giving you the evidence of what he said and the resurrection, and then it's the whole context of scripture. So if you don't believe that's on you, I get it. No hate. Um, you have that right. But at least come with arguments that make sense. Like if, if you, and, and I, I promise, if you come to me with the Jesus is just a copycat savior, um, then I will point you to Ken Ham, Boney Hodge, and actually go to my other YouTube channel because this video is going to be posted on a new YouTube channel called The World, The Way, The Word. And so it won't be on the dads in timeout because I want to separate them just so um, it's, it's topically sound, right? So I have sports over here and I have Christian over here. The, now the old stuff, the old Christ in the world, Christ in the culture war podcast and the first episode of this will stay over there. Um, and then I still have the, the Spotify page and the Apple podcast, which if you cannot find it under the world, the way and the word, look up Christ in a culture war, but I'm going to share this on Facebook. I'm going to share this on TikTok. I'm going to share links to everything that I can. And so, yeah, you'll have access to it. So just if, if you're going to argue, just make sure that the arguments are solid. Um, not that Jesus never existed, bro. They just made him up. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, then I need to ask if you believe in William Shakespeare, because there's a lot of evidence that that dude never existed. And to me, that doesn't even matter. Like Romeo and Juliet ain't even popping to me like that. Anyways, we've gone on long enough. I hope this podcast made sense. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I probably did. That's fine. L be looking for part two of the deity of Christ. <sighs> there's a small possibility or a great possibility that I will be getting activated by the National Guard to go to Memphis. I don't know what's going on there. Doesn't sound good. So keep me in your prayers. So it could be a week or so before the next podcast drops, but I will keep you informed until then. God bless and have a great, great night. Mm -hmm.